Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. You know, recently, uh, my young adults group, we put on an event at the Center for the Performing Arts in downtown San Jose. It's an auditorium that fits about 2,700 people right in the heart of San Jose. I felt like God really gave our group a mission um, to actually be the church. And the church isn't a building, but it's a people. And so what we said is, well, like, we want to go to where people are, and we want to just present a free gospel message where people can creatively hear the message of Christ. And so we put on this catalytic event that was called MVP, Mountains, Valleys, and Promised Lands, and we raised $60,000 as a young adults ministry. We went down to the Center for the Performing Arts, put on a free event. We had over 1,800 people show up in 55 salvations take place and the salvation like people came to the altars it was beautiful what God did was incredible um but but there was a moment when we were really kind of working out the marketing side and, and doing our best to really get the word out through social media but also through just old school hitting the streets you know and so we were going out we ordered 20,000 cards and we were just branding downtown San Jose so we were walking throughout the streets and just inviting anybody and everyone just to this event that was going to be taking place and we did it for a couple of weeks and and there was one encounter that I had where we found ourselves in St. Jameson Park in downtown San Jose now St. Jameson is what I would call the hood it was the hood and we walked in there and 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 crack pipes were laid out on the benches and alcohols everywhere and, and people were acting a little bit outside of their minds but you know Jesus is able and so we went in there and we started inviting these men and these women and I came across a young Filipino kid who was 19 years old and his name was Lord because I was going on man my name is Lord I was like whoa I want to talk to you tell me about your story and so we started having a conversation and just chatting and having a good time and and he seemed completely normal. I mean, we talked for about 20 minutes, and out of nowhere, a guy who, who, again, didn't seem like he was in his right state of mind came and sat next to me and started whispering some things to me. And, and, and out of nowhere, Lord just went from completely calm to completely enraged. I mean, he, I, I don't know what the guy did or whatever, but he just started getting very, very upset, very frustrated, started yelling and, and pacing and taking off his shirt. And I was like, man, Drake, we went zero to 100 real quick. Like, here we... Here we are, and, and as he was, he was going about it, people were looking at him and, and saying things and whispering things, and, and I thought to myself that oftentimes we judge where someone is while forsaking where they've been. And as I was looking at this young kid, 19 years old, who's Filipino, absolutely just going crazy and yelling and cussing and, and doing all these things, I, I asked God to give me a little bit of boldness, because whether you know it or not, that's a little bit intimidating, unless you're hood you know it was a little bit intimidating and I was like man God give, give me the boldness like Jesus had just to walk up to this kid and strike up a conversation I want to hear more of his story because you just don't arrive at this place you just don't wake up and one day you're living in a park and you're you're doing drugs and and suddenly you're you're going out and you're yelling at people and you're outside the normal state of mind I'm sure he didn't plan for this to happen I'm sure he didn't want this to happen so just give me the boldness to walk up and have a conversation and so finally, I kind of striked up the boldness, and I walked up to him, and all I did was put my hand around his shoulder. I was like, Lord, what's going on, man? Talk to me. And what, what amazed me about this young man was his self-awareness. To be honest with you, this young man had more self-awareness than most Christians that I come across. He instantly got to the root of his issues without hesitation. Christians are very good at cutting off the branches and maybe a little bit of the tree. But God wants to get you down to the roots in order for things to be uprooted in your life. And the thing, if you only cut down 
the trunk of the branches, what's going to end up happening is eventually it's going to grow back. And this young man had such self-awareness, all I asked him was what's going on, and he instantly flashed back to his childhood quicker than a microwave making some Easy Mac. You know what I mean? Like he just went straight there. And he's like, you know, I'll tell you what's wrong with me. He's like, when I was 14 years old, my dad introduced me to methamphetamines. When I was 14 years old, he introduced me. By the time I was 15, I was completely addicted, Chase, completely. And from that point, my dad ended up getting a 17-year jail sentence because he was selling it at such a massive rate in the Philippines. And so because of that, they shipped me out to my mother. Now, my father emotionally and physically abused my mom, so she left when I was a little kid. And so she shipped, they, they shipped me out to live with my mom in San Jose right off of First Street. And what ended up happening is because I remind her of my father, she doesn't want anything to do with me. She would rarely feed me. She wanted to take me to school and it was five miles away. I had to walk every single day and figure out the bus system. And so I've been living in this park since I was 17, doing my thing, extremely broken. What's wrong with you? Uh, wow. And, and as he was talking my heart began to sink to the point where my eyes began to well up. Now, that's not really a big deal. I'm emotional. You can ask my wife. I cry about anything. You want to, we, we watched The Lion King when it came out, when it premiered. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very in touch with my emotions. Mufasa died, and Simba's like, Dad, you got to get up. My wife looked over. Just, I'm like, what, girl? What? Just t- flowing. It wasn't that big of a deal. You know, I, I'm emotional, but my heart broke for this young man. And I just thought to myself, man, God. What a journey this young man has been on for only 19 years old. And then our conversation took a, a drastic shift when he, in return, put his arm around me and he looked at me dead in the eyes. And this is all he said. He was like, Chase, I'm so happy that you came here today. And it was as if in that moment, church, something that seemed accidental shifted to being so intentional. Something that seemed like a random moment had God's provision all over it. Chase, I'm so happy that you came today. And within five seconds, he went off and just started yelling at everybody again. And as I was leaving and I was walking through downtown San Jose, we probably walked 10 to 15 miles that day. Now, as I was walking, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just kind of talking to me a little bit about moments in my life where I needed people. Moments in my life where God in his grace sent people to me. Now, we must, must, must understand this, men and women of God in this place of Sozo Church on Sunday morning. We must have an understanding that we were created for community. We were created for relationship. In the book of Genesis, if you read chapters 1 and 2, you will see God repeating something very beautiful. You see him creating everything through his breath. In the Hebrew, it's called the Barah. He's creating with himself as, he's creating with himself, with only as himself as the subject. He's just barahing, let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. And after he says, let there be, it, the, um, Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, and the Lord God said it was good. And the Lord God said it was good. And the 
Lord God said it was good. But when he took Adam and he made him from the dust of the earth and he breathed the breath of life into him and made him a living soul, um, God said something. God stated something. God spoke something that is factual for every single one of us. The one time that the Lord God said something wasn't good when everything was good was you and me being alone. He said it's not good for man to be alone. And the enemy's playground for getting you into dysfunction, the enemy's playground for keeping you in shame, the enemy's playground for keeping you in depression, the enemy's playground for keeping you in addiction, the enemy's playground for for keeping you in sin is isolation. One thing we do with our inmates, all of you know this, I don't mean to insult anybody's intelligence, but what we do with the worst inmates, the worst people, we put them in solitary confinement. We lock them away for 22 hours a day. And they literally, mentally, and they study their brains, neurologists, these men neurologically begin to go crazy because we were created for human connection. And in a day and age where we are increasing in social media and we're increasing in movies and videography and and Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat, it seems that this generation that is coming up, they're becoming more socially, uh, what's the word? They're becoming socially... um, pushed away. I can't think of a word. They're they're becoming socially inept. They're not able to connect because everything is here and they don't even know how to look a person in the eye anymore. And now we're seeing kids who are 9, 10, 11 years old having anxiety attacks because of homework. I have homework. I'm going to lose it. And I would submit to you that there is nothing wrong with your struggle. But many times we struggle alone, especially men, especially men. But what we do in the church, what we do in the church is something a little bit different. The church is a blessing, but it can be a cursing, especially if you're raised in it. Now, my dad dad knows I was a drug baby. My parents drugged me to church. As long as I was in their house. Yeah, y'all catch that? Hey, Christian jokes gone wild. Okay, yeah. My dad knows it, it was not a democracy. It was a dictatorship. As long as we were in their house, you going to church, son. Dad, get, get out of bed. I'm like, all right, cool. We're going to church. And, and the blessing of being raised in church is obviously the presence of God. The blessing of church is obviously community. But there are some churches that are out there where it's a come as you should be rather than a come as you are. And there's moments where we come to Jesus, especially in the beginning where we're vulnerable and we're broken and we're like, God, take it all. And he's sanctifying our minds, which is a process. And we reach a certain point somewhere in our faith and it happens and it's a struggle for every single one of us. Somewhere in our faith is we're going on this journey. We get platform or we get a little bit of spiritual authority or we're leading a team or or we're hosting a small group. And somewhere along the way, the temptation for you and me is to no longer be honest because we believe that grace saves us but we question whether it keeps us is grace enough that can it can not only save me but it can keep me 
And that's a question that we oftentimes we, we ask, our, or ask ourselves maybe unbeknownst to us. Grace can save me, but can it keep me? So if I'm still struggling in a particular area, if I have an addiction in a particular area, if I'm looking at things that I shouldn't be looking at, will God still love me? Will God still accept me? And what we do sometimes is we believe that God will vertically, but we don't believe people will horizontally. And so what happens is we get the spirit of fake, and everybody's faking it. How are you, brother? Blessed and highly favored. How you feeling? Phenomenal. When deep down you're broken, you had a crazy week, you're not feeling good at all, you're going through the ringer. And what we want God to do is we want God to spiritually zap us and make our emotions better. We want to have this amazing, 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 amazing moment with God while missing the beauty of a small miracle, which is actually a massive miracle, which is the sending of God's people. Now, who I want to tell y'all about is Paul. Paul's a gangster. <laughs> I'm talking to y'all about Paul right now. If Paul needed it, you need it. I'm talking about Paul who went to the third heaven. Paul said, I went to the third heaven and what I saw was ineffable. He was saying, I went to a realm in the spirit that there is not human vernacular to fully describe what I saw. This is Paul. This is Paul where they tried to lock him in prison and he had sewage up to his waist and he's in the back of the prison. And at midnight, he looks at his boy. He's like, so what you want to sing, man? It's time for that worship set. And Barnabas is like, you want to worship right now? Yeah, what you want to sing? What you want to sing, bro? You want to hit, oh, hit him with that? You want to hit him with foundation? You want to hit him with cornerstone? What you want to shout to the Lord? You want to pull out Darlene? You want Hillsong? You want Elevation? What do you want to sing, bro? And they start worshiping in sewage. And before they know it, the gates are broken and, and the locks are broken and the doors burst open and, and they go to leave and a Roman guard falls to kill himself because he failed to hold the prisoners captive and that was the penalty under the Roman law but they preached grace and truth to this man and his whole family will say, this is Paul. This is Paul who got stoned three different times. And one time he got stoned so bad that they thought they killed him. The Bible said he fell asleep and a few hours later he just got up. Imagine that. They're like, finally, Paul's dead. And a few hours later he just pops up to die his game. You couldn't do anything to Paul. We're talking about Paul who checked his boy Peter. The same Paul where, where Peter, y'all know Peter, he's the hothead, you know, who got called by Jesus. I'm kind of like Peter, I get mad sometimes. Peter, Peter was, was basically um, around his Jewish brothers and the Gentiles were going to show up for dinner. And basically, uh, Peter didn't want to be around the Gentiles because his Jewish brothers were still, were still um, dealing with the fact that the Gentiles had the same level of access to God as they did, even though they were God's chosen people. And Paul put it in the text, Holy Spirit inspired. Hey, Peter, don't forget where you've come from. Oh, you're not going to eat with the Gentiles? Who are you? Don't forget the grace that got you. We're talking about Paul. We're talking about Paul that was bit by poisonous snakes. And he threw it into the fire. They're like, that's the most poisonous snake. And he's like, I'm cool. Negro international version. I'm good. You? We're talking about Paul. We're talking about Paul who got shipwrecked and prophesied before the shipwreck that it was going to get shipwrecked. And then they're floating. He's like, I told y'all this was going to happen. But it's okay. We're going to make it to the shore. The ship is going to go. But we're going to make it. This is Paul who released apostles and men and women and sons and daughters into Asia Minor. This is Paul who went to Jerusalem 
knowing that that was going to be the place where he would eventually end up in Rome and die for his faith. This is Paul. Paul who, who saw Jesus as he was blinded with his fleshly eyes but saw him with his heart. This is Paul. And Paul has a moment in 2 Corinthians where he gets overwhelmingly vulnerable. Y'all, please don't miss the verbiage this morning. And if you're in this place, I just want to say that it's okay. If you find yourself tired, weary, maybe a bit broken, maybe a bit discouraged, I just want to encourage you that Paul was there. And this is what Paul writes in the book of 2 Corinthians. He says this, he says, uh, when we arrived in Macedonia, they were on a mission trip there. He said, there was no rest for us. We face conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. And this is Paul saying that, y'all. And what's crazy is that the Holy, what's crazy is that the Bible is Holy Spirit inspired. In other words, every single word that is written in the word of God has come from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's writing and he's being so incredibly vulnerable. He's like, fear is all inside of me right now. This is Paul. He's like, I'm in Macedonia, a place that I frankly don't want to be. We're, we're being affected in every turn, at every bend, and, and we're being afflicted in every way. And, and frankly, there's fear inside of me. You know, one of the hardest things to do is admit that you're afraid. Like, honestly, to be like, this is actually scaring me. You know what I'm realizing about God? This is a little bit of a tangent, but I got nine minutes and 25 seconds. Um, you know what I'm realizing in my journey with God? Has anybody, has anybody in this room experienced this? Like, you, 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 you go to be with God and you're anxious and you come out more anxious than when you went in? Anybody ever, anybody ever experienced that? Like, like, you're like, okay, I need to pray. And then you start praying. And as you're praying, you become more anxious than you were before. And my wife, one time, I remember I walked in, she's like, how was your time with God? I'm like, I feel like I got worse. <laughs> you, you know what I've realized, though? Those moments, 100% of the time, happen when I'm having a mask with God rather than saying and dealing with what's actually in me. Because what we do is we try to be okay with the living God. We try to act like we're okay with the living God. Oh, God, I'm good. You? No, God, like, like I, no, some things are happening, but I know who you are, so I'm going to speak who you are. When in reality, you're dust, and from dust you have come, and to dust you will return. Like, something we have to establish, so, so church, is that it's okay not to be okay. And sometimes we try to act with God like we do with people, like everything's good. How are you, son? Oh, I'm blessed, Dad. There's no money in my bank account, but I'm great. You... And I leave there as fake as I went in because I'm not dealing with the reality of where I am. See, some of us have to be so real because God will take you to the roots. It's not about you fearing money. It's about you being like, God, I've had generational poverty in my, in my family and I don't want to see it repeat. Some of you are saying, God, there's been generational divorce, and, and I'm afraid that this marriage isn't going to make it, and I'm going to be another statistic. Some of us need to be real enough to be like, God, I, I trust you in my singleness, but hey, I don't want to be alone. 
I want to be in a relationship. And when you get that vulnerable with God, you give him permission to draw near to you. How do we know? The psalmist writes that he is near and dear to the brokenhearted. That that is the moment and that is the opportunity that God draws near through the authenticity of what's really going on in your life and on your journey. And Paul says, I'm full of fear, God. I'm full of it. And I read this and I get so encouraged. I read this and I get inspired and I get reminded like, yes, Lord, that's right. I'm afraid. You know, when I first came out and started preaching in the, the Silicon Valley, I got a lot of job opportunities uh, to, go, to go work at other places. And I remember I was journaling one morning. I'm telling you, these Sozo cups serve the best water ever. <laughs> I was journaling one morning, and I was thinking about leaving my mission. I was seeing a lot of growth. I was a few years in. Our young adults was about 400 people at the time, and I was experiencing a lot of growth. And I felt the Holy Spirit just asking me in his goodness. He's like, son, well, why do you want to leave? And I was like, you know, because I could be more effective somewhere else. And it was as if the Holy Spirit, we're having dialogue in my spirit. And I wasn't hearing voices. It wasn't weird. But it's like I was dialoguing within myself with him. And do you know what I wrote down that was very, very liberating that led me to crying? I was like, God, I'm insecure about being a black man in the Silicon Valley. The majority of my congregation is white. And I'm working through that. Roots. All of a sudden we're getting to the roots. And when we have that type of authenticity with God, we realize that he's not intimidated by our struggles. Yeah. To be like, God, this is, this is really what's going on. Yeah. And again, what we do is we try to cut down things at a surface level, but God will go into the depth of the soil of your heart and be like, let's work. But only if you let him. See, what I want us to understand theologically about God is that... Uh, he, he doesn't force himself upon you because the love that is forced is not love at all. And sometimes the hardest part is being like, this is, this is what I'm facing and this is what I'm going through. But Paul, who's correcting a church with his words, corrects their, his, corrects their mentality through his vulnerability. He says, man, I was in Macedonia and I was afflicted in every way. And now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I read the Bible, I think I know what's going to happen next. Sometimes. And when I read this, when he's like, we were afflicted at every turn, I, I think, I, I expect to read, and then an angel showed up, and the angel said, Paul, for he will never leave or forsake you, and he'll be with you until the very ends of the age. Bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Like Mufasa, remember. No, no, there isn't an earthquake this time. Not this time. There's not healing taking place. What happens is one of the greatest miracles that me and you often undermined. It's something that I've undermined for years, even during pastoring. His passage is, and by the grace of God, will continue to change my life. Listen to what he says. So good. He says, but God who encourages those who are discouraged encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. Wow. 
God in someone encouraged Paul. If y'all could picture it, you can imagine them in Macedonia. There's a group of them. They're all extremely discouraged. And it's almost like in the distance, you could just see Titus walking up and he has a smile on his face. And Paul's just like, it's my boy. What's good? And you could just picture the long hug. He's like, how you doing, Paul? Oh, man, Titus, I'm going through it, you. You're a godsend, literally. And then Titus just begins to speak out the revelation of who God is. The logos that becomes the rhema, the revelation of the word that comes outside of the mouth. He's like, Paul, let me tell you about who God is. Let me, let me tell you what he's doing. Let me, let me encourage you and let me remind you. And nothing changes is in his circumstance outside of a friend who shows up and says, I'm with you, Paul. Nothing changes outside of Titus showing up. And suddenly a soul that is downcast goes into an upcast state once again. A man that is discouraged becomes encouraged once again to continue to fight the fight of faith and to see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and there are moments where we will be there. There will be moments where you will need people and you're going to have to be vulnerable. No more Halloween in the church. Take your mask off. No more filters. We got enough social media platforms for that. And by the way, I hope that face app with the old face doesn't work. I'm an ugly old man, people. Those days are gone. No, not this community. Not, not for San Francisco. San Francisco doesn't need that. And frankly, you don't need that. You need people. But oh, let me take it a step further because as I was on my way listening to worship this morning, I feel like some of you have bought into the lie that people don't need you. You feel like you don't have enough to offer. Well, 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 Chase, I don't have the words. Well, Chase, I don't have the resume. Well, Chase, I just started living for God. Well, Chase, you don't know what I've been through. Well, Chase, you don't know what I'm struggling with. Do you know that sometimes failure is so much more appealing than success? When you say, I know what it is to struggle, I've been there. As a matter of fact, I'm there right now, but let's come out of this together. Let's, let's build together. Not only men and women of God do you need people, but dare I say that people need you because your God concept matters. Your revelation matters. How you view God matters. Your experience matters. Your testimony matters. Your life matters. We all need each other. And God forbid the day when we get outside of order. God forbid the day when we act like we don't need each other anymore. No, Sozo. Let it not be so. A while ago, I'm going to honor my father real quick. Last story because I got six, five. I've officially gone over. Forgive me, Pastor Jason. I will, sir. A little while ago, I was, I was very emotional. Y'all can see it up here. I was very emotional. And my, my emotions were in disarray. And I was getting ready to make a very, very dumb financial decision out of emotion. And I called my dad. I was just venting. I was like, you know what, dad? Whoopty, 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 whoop, bop, bop, boom, bop. He's going in. He says, you know what, son? I want you to slow down, man. Just slow down. Don't, don't do anything out of emotion. Just slow down. You don't have to do anything right now. 
God's got you. He's got your wife. You're, you're fine. You're doing really well. Look what the Lord has done. And it was as if everything slowed down in my world. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding was overflowing from my father and it was entering into me. And do you guys know what impartation is? Impartation is just the art or the act of someone pouring something into you that is in them. Do you need encouragement? Encourage. Do you need life? Give life. Do you need resource? Give it generously. It's when you take a part of you and you give it to someone else. And there have been so many times on my journey where I negate the opportunity to take advantage of a godsend. Because I need some sign. Lord, give me a sign. He or she is right next to you right now. So my prayer for all of you as we conclude Sozo Church is it would be like our forefather Paul, but more so, we would be like Jesus. Because may we not forget that as he was in the land of pressing that was known as Gethsemane, that he asked his three boys, will you pray with me? And they went to sleep on him. And there was a moment where he was on the cross of Calvary. And he who knew no sin would become sin. And he would be up there on that cross completely alone. For the first time in history, history, the triune God would be separated. Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus would be hanging on there and he would let out that cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that me and you would know what it means to never be forsaken in this life. So the first promise that we have is the last words that Jesus spoke. And those words were to a group of 120 witnesses who were going to change the world and flip it upside down. And he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And lo, I will be with you until the very ends of the age. And so he gave us the promise of himself. But he went beyond the call of duty. He gave us the promise of each other. That's why James, Jesus' little brother, said, confess your sins to one another. It's not enough to do it here. Do it here. Be vulnerable. Be raw. But that starts vertically, and then it happens horizontally. Yes and amen. Can we have every eye closed in the presence of the Lord? I'm, I'm done. The first question I have, I don't preach a sermon without asking this question. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm not talking about a decision that you make for your neighbor. I'm not talking about church attendance. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian as much as going to Krispy Kreme makes you a donut. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about you making the decision to say yes to Jesus for you, not for your father, not for your mother, not for your spiritual friend, definitely not for a pastor. I'm talking about you saying yes to Jesus for you. And if you've never made that decision before, I don't want to leave here without giving you the opportunity. I'm not going to make it weird. Every eye is closed but mine. But if you just want to give your life to Jesus on the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. Just slip it up. Just slip it up on the count of three if you want to give your life and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. My life is not my own. I give myself away. If you experience, according to Luke 24, the burning of your heart as your eyes were open to see the scriptures, the living word, oh, it's you. If you feel that burning going on inside of you that you can't put words to, it's just as if you found everything that you're looking for. That's our God. And so if that's you on the count of three, I'm asking you to raise your hand. Just slip it up. One, two, three. Anybody in here? Wow. So many of us. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You guys are beautiful. 
about five hands in the air. Look at the Lord. You can put that hand down. What I'm going to ask all of us to do, if you could keep your eyes closed, I'm going to ask all of you in support of our brothers and sisters who just prayed this prayer to repeat this prayer after me, if that's okay. So let's all repeat it loud and proud if we claim to be believers of Jesus Christ in support of our brothers and sisters. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I confess with my mouth that I am a sinner who needs a Savior. And on this day, I believe in my heart that Jesus, you're my Savior. I give my life to you. Take it and use it from this day forward. And I decree and declare that I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we give those people a hand right now? Come on. Thank you, God. That's a big deal. Thank you, Lord. Last question, and this is important. This is, this is really important because this is your freedom. I, I want to ask if, if some of you need to increase in vulnerability. I want to ask if there's some people you need to increase in truth by talking to a brother or a sister and dealing with some of the areas that are happening in your heart. But again, I believe this is going to be a private moment. So can we just close our eyes one more time if that's okay? I promise you I'm almost done. If something in this message hits you where you're like, I want to be more like Paul, if I'm being honest, I feel afflicted on every side and I need to be honest with God. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna wear a mask. I got some things that I'm facing. I got some struggles that I have that are very real. And I just wanna be honest with God. I got insecurity all in me. I got fear all in me. And the name it, claim it stuff is great, but it will not keep you. If you're just like, yeah, I got some things I'm going through and, and some things that I'm questioning, some things I don't understand on my journey with God. I wanna pray for you. I wanna stand with you. I wanna believe for you. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up if that's you? All over this auditorium. Hallelujah. Would you do something in faith? Would you just lift that other hand towards heaven and just receive the peace of God that transcends all understanding? Right now, it's coming. It's coming. Minds are being renewed. Hearts are being reminded. Emotions are being at bay right now. Oh, God, for every hand that is stretched towards you, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, that you have not given them a spirit of fear, but you've given them power, love, and a sound mind. Oh, God, at my word, I pray that the yokes and the chains would break in Jesus' name. That, Father, you would show them through knowledge, insight, and understanding, according to Proverbs chapter 2, what it is that needs to be changed, Father. God, I thank you, though, that you did not come and die for behavior modification, but you came for heart transformation. So may they not be conformed to this world any longer, but they may they be transformed by the renewing of their minds. Change the way they think. Change the way they process. For what a man or a woman thinks about themselves, that's what they are. Let your word and your truth and your grace and your power be made perfect in every part of their weakness. In Jesus' name, we say amen. We say let it be done. We say have your way. And we say that the glory is yours. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, can we take about 10 seconds and give our God the highest praise. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.